Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Search and browse more privately. Download the free DuckDuckGo app today. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. This is John Lyons right now on WEEI. Just curious if there is ever a time where you sit back and think of a specific moment that you shared with Tom that encapsulates your time together that you look upon most fondly uh, regarding your two decades uh, working together. Well, there's six of them that come to mind. Yeah, I mean, look, can't say enough about Tom, what he's meant to this organization, what he's meant to me personally. You know, he just epitomized everything that you would want, you know, when a player, uh, his work ethic, his ability to, you know, handle and process a lot of things on and off the field, critical playmaking ability and instinctiveness and anticipation and and decision-making at the most critical times in the biggest games. It's almost here. 41 hours away from Tom Brady Day in Foxborough. I'm your host, John Lyons. We have Stiz producing behind the boards on this Friday evening. We're going to take you up until midnight, and it's a special edition. Right? Usually we don't always broadcast 11 p.m. to midnight, but we usually don't have Tom Brady returning to Foxborough for week one as the Patriots face the defending NFC champions in the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll be taking you up until midnight. We're going to talk about that Patriots versus Eagles matchup this Sunday. We're also going to go around the AFC because I think the Patriots can be a playoff team, but I think it's fair to look at some of the other teams in the conference because the AFC is loaded, for lack of a better word. It is an absolutely loaded conference. There's good teams pretty much top to bottom. And then we're also going to spend some time, of course, talking about some of our favorite Tom Brady memories because, well, it's my show and I can do that if I want. So I want to start off, though, with Patriots and Eagles. And, look, the Patriots, they end last season 8-9. and nine. Really disappointing year, especially the, the offense as a whole. And we knew from the beginning, right, the offensive coaching setup very unorthodox with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge essentially running the offense with Bill Belichick having a heavy hand in it, but those are the two guys, Joe Judge's quarterbacks coach, Matt Patricia, O-line coach, and play caller. They kind of combined, if you will, for the role of offensive coordinator, and the results were not good. 26th in yards per game, 17th in points per game, but even that was inflated because they scored eight non-offensive touchdowns last year. 27th on third down, 
and dead last in the red zone, 42.2% conversion percentage in the red zone. So pretty much any offensive metric you want to use was bad and at best was pretty much average. They did have one bright spot. Ramondre Stevenson played really well uh, pretty much throughout the season. He did have a big fumble against Cincinnati, but he had over 1,000 yards rushing, and I think you know it got to a point where they just ran him into a wall because they didn't have many other options. But other than that, there really weren't many bright spots on the Patriots' offense. Not to be outdone, their special teams also really bad over the last couple of years in 2021 they had three punts blocked they had another punt blocked last year by the way uh four punts blocked in two years they're zero and four in those games and in the five years prior to that they had zero punts blocked they also had some really unfortunate penalties on special teams like 2021 matthew slater had one against tampa bay not to go back that far but even just in 2022 pierre strong had that running into the kicker against the vikings also in that vikings game they gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown that i think really swung that game they had a lead in the second half in week 18 up in buffalo gave up their second kickoff return for a touchdown in that game to give up the lead they were never able to recover from that They allowed six total kickoff returns for touchdowns from 2000 to 2021, and they allowed three last year. So offensively and on special teams, the Patriots were an extremely frustrating unit last year. Defensively, though, they were pretty good, right? They were on the field a lot. They were number one in weighted DVOA if you like the advanced stats, but if you like more, just regular stats. They were third in the league in points allowed per drive, second in interceptions, seventh in rushing yards allowed, fifth in yards per carry allowed 11th in points per game allowed and 17th in passing yards uh, allowed but eighth overall in overall yards per game allowed so the defense was pretty good now you come into this year why do i tell you that because as you come into this year for the patriots you have a gauntlet of a schedule starting off with the philadelphia eagles on sunday so you need to be a lot better especially on special teams and offense and you need to do that quickly And to me, the biggest acquisition the Patriots made this offseason was not a player. And they brought in, I thought they had a really good draft. Obviously, these guys haven't played a regular season down yet, but I think it has real potential. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is a good player that they brought in at receiver. I think he will be a nice fit for them. Mike Kosicki, I think, is a really good player, kind of hybrid, big slot slash tight end type player. But when it comes to overall across the Patriots, not just offensively, the biggest offseason acquisition they made was Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator. And as I sit here, I'm thinking to myself, well, I wish they did that, you know, 12 or or 15 months ago instead of just earlier this spring. But just for reference, Bill O'Brien, the last time he was the Patriots offensive coordinator in 2011, they were second in yards per game, third in points per game, and fifth on third down. Before you call in and tell me that they had Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Wes Welker, and Aaron Hernandez, yes, I know that. I'm not expecting them to be that good. But if he can split the difference, if they can go from being 26th in yards per game he's not going to take them to second in yards per game like they were in 2011 but can he get them to 14th right kind of split the difference in the middle 13th 14th you know instead of being 17th in points per game can they be 12th you know 11th instead of being 27th on third down can they be you know 12th or 13th like if he can split the difference that is going to be a massive boost for this offense, just splitting the difference between what he was in 2011 and what they were last year. We're looking at a massive boost for this Patriots offense and the most important player on it, Mac Jones, who in his rookie year, 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, really good rookie season in late November after they smoked the Titans 36-13. He was a front runner for rookie of the year, tailed off toward the end. And of course, we know what happened last year, played 14 games, played poorly, 
14 uh, touchdowns. I think it was 11 interceptions, under 3,000 yards passing. So just did not play well in a what was a bad offensive setup. I think if Bill O'Brien could come in, split that difference overall with the offense, but help elevate Mac closer to what he was his rookie year, that's going to go a long way towards the Patriots being a playoff team. Now, the AFC's tough. I'm going to get to that next segment, but that's the first step to me. This offense needs to be better than it was a year ago. Special teams, right? A lot of people don't always want to talk about special teams. Patriots were really bad, as I illustrated, the last two years in special teams. We saw it cost them multiple games. They bring in a new kicker, Chad Ryland, Bryce Barringer at punter, two rookies, so a little bit of a risk there with rookies, but a ton of talent with those guys. But I think another really important piece, Joe Judge, who we can criticize, we could sit here for the whole hour and criticize him as quarterback's coach and, and running that passing game last year, but as a special teams coach, he's proven he's really good. Patriots special teams were consistently one of the best units in the league under him, and when I was down at training camp and from what I saw in preseason games, he's taken a pretty heavy role with special teams. Now, his title is assistant head coach, so it's not special teams coordinator. That's still Cam Accord. But it seems to me that Joe Judge has taken a larger role in special teams, and I think that is not going to be maybe quite as impactful and quite as important as Bill O'Brien on offense, but I still think it's going to be really impactful and really important. You look back to last year, if they just don't give up kickoff returns for touchdowns, they win at least one more game, maybe two. Boom, they're in the playoffs, right? So if they can just be a little bit better on special teams. And then, of course, they bring in Chris Board. They have a second year of Marcus Jones, likely returning punts, returning kicks. We'll see exactly how they want to divvy up those reps going into the season. Matthew Slater came back for one more season. So I think the special teams will be better. And then we saw a heavy investment defensively, especially through the draft. Now, offensively, in free agency, they sign Riley Reef, They sign Calvin Anderson. Personally, I'm kind of dubious if thinking that's going to be enough for them at right tackle. But then they signed Mike Kosicki, who I think is going to be really helpful for the Patriots in the red zone last year, including playoffs. Kosicki scored six touchdowns. All six are in the red zone. Five are inside the 10 yard line. This guy is going to score in the red zone and they're going to need that. And I think Hunter Henry will be better in the red zone as well. But my point is they invested free agency money in the offense. Now you can agree or disagree with, did they do enough? Did they not? But they invested free agency money there. They then took draft capital and put a heavy emphasis on defense. Now, Devin McCourty retired, which I still think, look, Devin McCourty to me, even as he quote unquote, maybe faded a little last year was still one of the better free safeties in the NFL. So that's a legit loss. But if you look at the pieces they have and what they brought in, I think there's a lot of intrigue there, and I think they can be a better unit than last year. Christian, Christian Gonzalez is going to be a day-one starter. I think at corner, he's a guy, a piece they really needed, that long man coverage boundary corner. And if he, look, he's going to have ups and downs as a rookie, but if he can be a pretty good player as a rookie, I'm not asking to be Sauce Gardner, but if he can be pretty good on the outside, especially when they match up against bigger receivers like Stephon Diggs, who they have had trouble with in years past, I think that's going to be a huge help for the defense. I think Keon White is going to have a pretty good impact or a pretty sizable impact as well up front. Of course, they need a big year out of Christian Barrymore as well, and they're going to need it right away against the Eagles. This is the Eagles offensive line, number one in the league according to Pro Football Focus, and they're going to come in with Jalen Hurts, an elite quarterback, and the Patriots defensive line is going to have to come out of the gate strong and that secondary is too, and Jack Jones, of course, is not going to play, so they're going to be a little bit shorthanded there. But as we move to Pats against Eagles, I want to take one call here. Shane on the Cape. Shane, welcome into the program. Thanks for joining us. 
Hey, uh, great show as always. Uh, glad to hear you on the airwaves. I, I wanted to mention this this Jack Jones. You know, I you know it was a big sigh of relief for for the Patriots. I bet when when the charges got dropped, you know, and he's going to definitely be available. And then he pulls a hamstring. It, it sounds like, and you know, he he's a guy who's obviously super talented so i was just trying to you know how does that really and then the eagles you know they got aj brown Devontae smith you know that's a that's a big time offense coming in so i think you know losing a guy like him for week one and then you got aaron Rodgers, you got some big time quarterbacks the first couple weeks you know so and it doesn't sound like to me jack uh jones is going to be back in a week it could be you know a couple weeks so how do they kind of prepare for that and then you know also just taking a look at the whole entire nfl you know there's always teams that make the playoffs one year and then you know there's a lot of parity so who do you think you know is um you know who wasn't in the playoffs is going to be in the playoffs next year uh once again thanks for uh taking my call and uh we'll talk to you soon have a good one shane i think you bring up a lot of great points about jack jones and about what teams maybe might make the playoffs, might not. I wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers have a tough go of it this year after blowing that 27 nothing lead in the playoffs. Still a really talented roster, but maybe they don't quite make the playoffs. Maybe they do uh, or just squeak in there. But your Jack Jones point is good, and we just have a minute or so here before Stiz trends and we go to break. But I, I do want to hit on that because, to me, Jack Jones could be a swing piece for this secondary. Shane mentioned it. Really talented guy. At one point early last season, he was one of the top-graded cornerbacks in PFF. He had the pick six against Aaron Rodgers. He had the great interception against Detroit. And, of course, as we saw earlier this week, there's one law for rich people and who are famous and one law for the rest of us. I'm sure if Stiz or I went to Logan Airport with a bunch of guns, we uh, might have a different end. Yeah, it might not turn out the but, same. But, but uh, football-wise, look, if Jack Jones is on the field and playing well, that allows them to be so much more creative with their secondary. Jonathan Jones can play some free safety or slot corner. Marcus Jones can either play – like they can interchange those guys at slot corner free safety or they can play Christian Gonzalez just into the boundary playing man and Jack Jones can play to the field and maybe have his eyes in the backfield a little bit more. Like it allows them to me to do a lot more when he's healthy and if he's playing well. If he's not out there, look, I still think it's a good secondary, but now you're locked into John Jones on one side and Gonzalez on the other, so then in the slot, you probably have either Miles Bryant or Marcus Jones. Safety-wise, Jalen Mills is probably that free safety, look, who I think is a, a good player, not a great player, a pretty good player there. But I think just having Jack Jones would allow you to be a lot more creative, and I think he's also... I know he didn't play very well this preseason, but last year during regular season action, I thought he played really well. So it's just a talented guy you don't have but and Shane, you're buying the whole hamstring thing you know what i i i mean i i kind of guess i mean because it's just like karma coming back maybe Because i remember a few days ago they asked bill and bill said oh yeah he's ready to go week one yeah and then all of a sudden not but Timing <laughs> is a little, uh, yeah uh, it, it is who knows i do want to get to shane's second point about are there teams in the afc that maybe made the playoffs last year and won't this year and vice versa i want to get to that in our next segment as i go around the afc but for now here's what's trending with stiz the Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Tough night at Fenway Park. The Red Sox lost to the Orioles 11-2 to tonight, and the Red Sox have now lost three in a row. Connor Wong hit a home run in the sixth, his ninth of the season, but it wasn't enough to get the Sox on a roll. Tanner Hugg started. He went five and one-thirds innings. He had five strikeouts and gave up five earned runs. 
Ryan O'Hearn and Adley Rutschman each had a homer for the Orioles. The Sox in Baltimore will run it back again tomorrow. First pitch at 4.10 p.m. Chris Sale will take the mound for your Boston Red Sox. He'll be facing Jack Flaherty for Baltimore. The Red Sox are now six games behind in the wild card. Some NFL news last night. The Lions beat the Chiefs last night 21-20 at Arrowhead Stadium. And your New England Patriots get ready for their first week when they'll host the Tennessee Titans from Gillette Stadium Sunday at 425. Jack Jones has been ruled out and five players are listed as questionable. Starting running back Ramondre Stevenson, starting left guard Cole Strange, starting right guard Michael Wenu, starting wide receiver Devontae Parker, and depth quarterback Matt Corral. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More with John Lyons right after this. Go nowhere. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back to John Lyons on WEEI. Gardner-Johnson, and some of those players. But watch the reaction now of this football team. This is a milestone moment for them to come in here and get this win. That's last night. Detroit Lions go into Arrowhead, beat the Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. Shout out to Detroit, too. I picked them in that game. I'm glad I did. I think they're going to win that division and win double-digit games. I'm, I'm in on the Detroit Lions. First time... In my life, Stiz, I think I can say I'm in on the Detroit Lions. I'm in on the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I was yeah. super impressed. Yeah, last no, night. I, I, I'm in on them. You know, well, they, they did have a couple good years with Stafford. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh, but you know, really, the first time I could feel really into them. But from a Patriots perspective, I want to spend a few minutes here and look at the rest of the AFC because we have gotten a few texts in uh, so far during the program. And thank you. This is six zero three and the seven seven four both kind of saying, "Well, what do you mean they're going to be a playoff team?" The six zero three. You know, a playoff team, they're 3-13 and 13 against, in their last 16 games against playoff teams, and that texter is 100% right. They are. And, and I, also, too, we have 774 saying the Patriots are going to go 6-11. and 11. They can't beat good teams relying on their defense. And look, I think there are fair questions about the Patriots, and the reason I wanted to look around at the AFC is because if the Patriots are going to make the playoffs, to the caller in uh, the first segment's point, there's probably going to have to be a team at some point that falters. And look, the Chiefs are not going to be that team. They they kicked off the NFL season with a loss last night, and I don't think they're going to be as good as they were you know, the last four years. Like They'll still win 11, 12 games, maybe even 13 if things, things break right. They'll be the number one or two seed. 
but it has a 2006 Patriots type feel or 2013 Patriots type feel where you know they have the best quarterback in the league they have some really good pieces but they're just not quite as dominant as their usual standard and I look again I'm never really going to bet against Mahomes in the Chiefs and Andy Reid and they will get Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey back but it feels like a year where maybe they'll make the playoffs win a playoff game or two but I maybe not win the Super Bowl from there but looking at that AFC West I mean this is a division that if you're the Patriots you need to be hoping that whoever wins this division is the only playoff team that gets in because the Chargers were a playoff team last year they have an elite quarterback they have some really good pieces on defense with Bosa Derwin James Asante Samuel Jr. and I think a huge piece for them is former Patriot J.C. Jackson he missed most of last year with an injury if he can be in the lineup for them all year and he can play like the guy that got the massive deal, all of a sudden that's a team that could challenge the Chiefs to win the division. If not, and of course the Chargers have a habit of making stupid Chargers mistakes, that's why they blew a 27 nothing lead in the wild card round of Jacksonville. If he's not in it and they make some of those mistakes, then I could see the Chargers just missing the playoffs. But again, that's a team that has the talent to be a playoff team, so if you're the Patriots, you're really hoping J.C. Jackson doesn't play well. Keenan Allen finally starts to decline, and maybe they make a couple silly mistakes during the year and cost them games. Because, again, that, that's a team that could bump the Patriots out of the play, you know, if it comes down to it. The Raiders, they finished 6-11 last year, including a just gut punch of a win against the Patriots, which I won't get into anymore. But the, in those 11 losses, there were three times in the first 10 games they blew a 17-point lead. I mean, if they just win those games, that's a nine-win team last year and the Broncos look I think Russell Wilson's cooked but they do have Sean Payton there the Patriots do play them on Christmas Eve that could be a close to must win game on Christmas Eve if the Patriots are fighting for a playoff spot and going to Denver against a Sean Payton coach team is a really difficult spot to be in so I I bring up these teams from Patriots perspective because if you're the Patriots you need one team to win the AFC West one team to win the AFC South and all those other teams in that division make it. Why? Because I think the AFC North and the AFC East is sending multiple teams to the playoffs, and we only have seven slots here. Like The AFC South, look, it's Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. I think the Colts are setting up Anthony Richardson to to fail, really. I mean, and I don't think he's necessarily going to have a bad career, but this is a guy under 50% completion percentage in the preseason, and you're putting him out there as your week one starter without Jonathan Taylor in the lineup for at least the first four weeks. And the Titans, look, Ryan Tannehill has declined every year since Arthur Smith left to be the head coach of the Falcons. I think that continues. I think Mike Vrabel's a great coach, and he alone is worth seven or eight wins. You know, and some of the and they do have some good pieces there. I'm not trying to blast them. They have De- DeAndre Hopkins, they have Derrick Henry, they have Simmons, but overall, I, I just don't love their roster and I don't like their quarterback. So I see them as a seven eight win team, and I think Houston is just terrible. So Jacksonville to me comes out of the South. Chiefs, I think, come out of the West. But again, if you're the Patriots, that's all you want coming out of there. Because then the math gets... If the Chargers and the Chiefs both come out of the West, the math gets a lot harder for the Patriots. Why? Because the AFC North, Cincinnati and Baltimore, to me, are both Super Bowl-caliber teams. I actually think Baltimore could go to the Super Bowl this year. They have Lamar Jackson, elite quarterback. They're going to have a full year of Roquan Smith. They draft Zay Flowers, who... I think under Todd Monken, new offensive coordinator in Baltimore, who will probably have just as big an impact as Bill O'Brien in New England, Todd Monken there with Zay Flowers, that's going to be an element that Lamar Jackson has not had. They tried it with Hollywood Brown. It didn't work. Zay Flowers had 1,000 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns at BC last year. So those of us locally in Boston, 
We know Boston College football. We don't think of elite wide receivers coming from there ever. But he was. He was arguably the best receiver in the country, dynamic athlete. We already saw it in the preseason against the Commanders. So I think Baltimore is in, Cincinnati's in. So that's already four teams. There's three more slots. I think the Jets win the AFC East. That's your fifth slot. I think the Bills are in the playoff. That's your sixth. So then you're the Patriots. You're competing against Miami, Pittsburgh, because I, I just don't think Cleveland has it this year. But Miami, Pittsburgh, and then we're looking at you know the Chargers, Raiders, kind of that group. And the thing is, is there's going to be in that group more than one good football team that doesn't make it, right? Because there's seven slots. So if we're looking at the Jets, the Bills, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Jaguars, and the Chiefs, that's already six. So out of you know, Miami, New England, uh, the Chargers, I almost said San Diego. I wish they were still there. It was just there earlier this summer. Great trip. Doesn't matter this conversation. But the Chargers, like that's in Pittsburgh, like there's going to be three good football teams there left out. So that's where I think it comes down to. And if you look at this AFC East division, and I wanted to close with that in my look at the AFC before I get to some more text on the text line here and start to look more at Patriots versus Eagles, this is a Jets team that they add Aaron Rodgers, if they just had competent quarterback play all of last year, they would have won nine games. They very well could have beat the Patriots twice. Two close games, one of which took a virtual walk-off by Marcus Jones on a punt return for the Patriots to win 10-3. to So if they just had competent quarterback play, they would have been in the playoffs. I mean, Zach Wilson last year in nine games, 46.6 pro football focus grade, 54.5% Completion percentage, six touchdowns, seven picks. which is just awful. Aaron Rodgers, in what was a down year for him, well, he had 64.5% completion percentage, 3,600 yards, just under 3,700, and 26 touchdowns. So if they had just gotten that last year, they would have been a playoff team. And I think Rodgers will be even better than last year for two reasons. A, I think he's going to have one of those career kind of resurgent years like a Brett Favre in 2009 in Minnesota, Tom Brady in 2020 in Tampa, where they go somewhere new, they're reinvigorated, and they have a great season, take their team deep in the playoffs. But also, Nathaniel Hackett, I know he was a disaster coaching the Broncos last year, got fired before the end of the season, but Aaron Rodgers played some of his best football when Nathaniel Hackett was his offensive coordinator in Green Bay, and Nathaniel Hackett to be his offensive coordinator again in New York. They add Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson's a stud, that offensive line, there are some questions to tackle, but I think the interior offensive line with Elijah Vera Tucker, Tucker is pretty good. That defensive line is full of monsters. They're just, I mean, you look at Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers. They drafted Will McDonald, even though I like Nolan Smith better in the draft. Will McDonald's still a good player, and they have Sauce Gardner back there in the secondary. I mean, this is a great defense. Like, I think the Patriots have a great defense. I think they will. The Jets, will, I, I think, very well could be a better defense than the Patriots. And then Buffalo, look, Buffalo's been the big bad Bills for the last three seasons. They've dominated the division, had their way with the Patriots for the most part. I think they're still going to be a double-digit win team. They're going to finish ahead of the Patriots. I don't think they are the big bad Bills of two years ago, three years ago, and even part of last year. So I think the Bills are going to have a little bit tougher of a time getting deep in the playoffs. And this is a Bills team. They're in a weird spot because I just said the big bad Bills, they've been awesome in the regular season. They were 30 seconds away from going to the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. But the biggest thing they've accomplished with Josh Allen is getting to the divisional round. And the way they ended last year, 
where they struggled to beat a Miami team with a third-string quarterback at home in the wild-card round, and then they faced Cincinnati, an elite team. Don't get me wrong, Cincinnati's an elite team, but they are down three offensive line starters, and the Bills couldn't get a pass rush at all. And I know the field conditions are part of that, but like you build a defensive line and a pass rush in Buffalo, you got to take into account that the field conditions might play a role at some point and have some sort of contingency, whether it's you, you bet more on coverage in those games or you just add more big beef up front in defensive tackles to be able to push the pocket. Whatever you, you want, you feel like you should have a better plan for that than the Bills did. Then they had the Stephon Diggs stuff in minicamp. He skips the first day. Sean McDermott says it's a big concern, or he's very concerned, and then he's back the next season. It just feels to me something's a little bit off with the Buffalo Bills. Again, still a double-digit win team, still going to be in the playoffs, but something's a little bit off. And if you're the Patriots, you need to hope that something's off enough that you can split with the Bills and you can split with the Jets and you can split with my – because if the Patriots, look, two and four in the division is in play – one and five in the division. Hey, I hate to say that, but it's kind of in play because their division's so good. But three and three in the division is also in play, right? I don't want to come in here and be too pessimistic all the time. Three and three is in play. And if they can split across the division and they can get through that midseason stretch of Washington and Indy and the Chargers and Pittsburgh and clean up during that stretch, then they're a playoff team. But if not, like if they have a tough start to the season, if they lose to Miami in week two and the Jets in week three, then we're going to have to start doing some difficult math. And to the texter that said, you know, they're 3-13 and 13 in the last 16 games against playoff teams, you're right. But this year, one if there is a silver lining to their tough schedule, well, they can get head-to-head wins against the Bills, the Jets, the Chargers, the Steelers, if they need to, right? And I'm not saying they will beat all those teams, but the opportunity is there if they're going to make the playoffs. And it starts out with the Eagles on Sunday. And I know I talked about that a little bit during – their first segment, excuse me, during the first segment. And I think, and I didn't mention this much yet, but the Patriots offensive line is going to face, first of all, this is an offensive line that I think we have real questions about, and I'm not telling you they're going to suck, but I think we have real and fair questions about them. They're going to face, in my opinion, their biggest test of the year right off the bat, because you have an Eagles team, 70 sacks last year, by far the best in the NFL. Best pass rush in the NFL. And, yeah, they lose Javon Hargrave, and what do they do? Oh, they draft Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the first round. <laughs> I mean, it's just like they keep loading up, loading up, loading up. And, yeah, I think their secondary, especially without C.J. Gardner-Johnson, will take a little bit of a step back this year. But they don't even – they have to play average, I feel like. Maybe a little bit above average, and that pass rush is so good that they'll be fine if they just play average in the secondary. But it's a twofold thing because the Eagles have a great offense. And as good as I think the Patriots' defense can be, they're not holding the Eagles to 17 points, right? The Eagles are going to put 24 on the board, which means the Patriots are going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to. And look, they're still going to, they should be a run first offense, especially against this Eagles pass rush. But there's going to be situations where they have to throw the ball. And the Eagles are going to know it. And then they're going to have that elite pass rush against. David Andrews, Cole Strange, and Mike Onwenu in the inside, who a trio that I feel pretty good about, especially Andrews and Onwenu. But then on the outside, the Patriots at tackle. Trent Brown last year, really inconsistent. Had some, it felt like nagging injury issues and just inconsistent play. And then on the right tackle, Connor McDermott, the Patriots waived him today. He was average last year at best, but that was about it. They bring in Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson. Calvin Anderson saw barely any time in August because... He was had this mysterious illness, which seemed like it took a lot out of him. Riley Reef gets hurt against 
uh, Tennessee in the final preseason game, he's on injured reserve. And what I found really interesting about that is Riley Reef when he got hurt, he was playing right guard. And I wonder if the Patriots had in their minds, hey, we'll play Reef at right guard and on Wenu at right tackle. And let, let's remember, on Wenu in 2020, one of the best right tackles in the entire NFL. But now with Reef's injury, you're probably going to have Calvin Anderson at right tackle. And look, the Patriots could have signed Mike McGlinchey. They could have signed Jawan Taylor, who we all saw last night lining up about five yards behind the line of scrimmage, it felt like every snap. But they, they could have signed him. They could have signed Caleb McGorry, who the Falcons signed to a pretty modest free agent contact, solid tackle. They chose to go with the Reef and Anderson route. And yes, they draft City So, who played some tackle in college, but the last time he played it was 2018. So it's been a while since he played tackle in college. He's probably going to get some reps in there. Antonio Maffi may get some reps at guard if they want to move on when it will. But my point to all this is they didn't go out and get one of the big fish. And I love the Christian Gonzalez pick in the first round, but by drafting him, and I still would have picked him over anyone else at that point, they didn't get a tackle there either. And Keon White in the second round, Cody Mouch went two picks later. So they, you know, they didn't draft a tackle. And again, I like Keon White. I was hoping they would have traded back into the second round at the end, maybe took a tackle there. They didn't. So my point is that they didn't go after one of the big fish. They they have this kind of group solution with Anderson and Reef and so. Is it going to be enough against the Eagles? And that's what I worry about because Isaiah Wynn last year was a turnstile. Marcus Cannon was all done. Connor McDermott was average at best, and that was by far the best right tackle play they got. So are those three guys going to give you average? Maybe, but if they don't, you're in a lot of trouble because if you don't get good play, even average play out of your right tackle against the Eagles – and you have to shift protection there and keep a running back or a tight end in, it limits what you're doing in the passing game. But also then it's going to leave Trent Brown on an island at times. It's going to leave David Andrews, Cole Strange. And again, I like Cole Strange. I like David Andrews. You leave those guys, any offensive lineman on an island, all of a, a game against the pass rush as good as the Eagles, you're going to have some problems. I, I, I think it's something that you, you just you can't consistently leave those guys on an island. If your right tackle is playing bad, you're going to have to. So they need their right tackle to play well. And if they lose this game because they can't hold up in the pass rush game, then there's going to be fair criticism about what they really did to address that tackle spot this offseason. Now, if they can hold up, hey, then they'll be in business and maybe they'll have a chance to win the game later, at least keep it close and have a respectable loss. And I won't call it a moral victory, but at least a respectable loss. But that right tackle spot I'm focusing on so much. But the rest of the offensive line, like Trent Brown is not a sure thing. Cole Strange, not a sh- I said I liked him, but he's not a sure thing there. He played really well the last, I felt, five games last year. He played really well, but he was benched at certain points earlier in the year. right? So there are questions there. Mike Onwenu, he's one of my favorite players on the team. I think he's one of the better offensive linemen in the league, but he is coming off ankle surgery. He hasn't had a lot of action in August. Is he going to be fresh enough? Is he going to be able to play 70 snaps? There probably is going to be some rotation. So this Patriots team... When they go to play the Eagles, they're going to, first of all, it might be a rare time where if I'm the Patriots, I take the ball to start the game and see if I can get up 7 nothing. Usually they like to defer, but I think this is a special circumstance where, A, you want to get a lead on the Eagles if you can, but B, because you have Tom Brady Day at halftime, which I'm going to get to next segment, it won't be a half-empty stadium with everyone at concessions in the bathroom to start the second half. It'll be loud. It'll be raucous. It'll be tough for the Eagles to operate, I think, coming out of halftime. So you have to get a lead. To me, you have to get a lead. Your defense has to play really well, and I still think you may need a special teams or a defensive touchdown at some point because, again, I think Bill O'Brien is a huge upgrade for the Patriots, 
But with all the question marks on the offensive line, and it's his first game working with Mac Jones in this offense, there's probably going to be some growing pains there. Again, I'm not telling you they're going to be awful on offense, but there's going to be some growing pains. They're going to have to score 28 points in this game, I think, at least to win. As good as a Patriots defense is, you're going to have to score 28 to win. The Eagles are that good. But I did mention it's Tom Brady Day. The greatest quarterback of all time, greatest football player of all time, gave New England six Super Bowl championships, is coming back for what is the first of presumed several ceremonies, days, instances on Sunday. I'm going to get into all that in our next segment coming up right after this break. We're back to John Lyons on WEEI. Second and goal. Brady. Caught. Touchdown. Julian Edelman. Came back to it, Al. It came right back to it. Down, back out. Worked brilliantly before. Brady missed the pass. Come right back to it. And Edelman gets it done. No push-off, no foul, no nothing. Final segment here. I'm John Lyons on WEEI. Been talking Patriots in the AFC as a whole most of this hour. But, of course, it's Tom Brady Day. And we had to lead off this segment with my favorite Brady moment of all time, which was Super Bowl Forty Nine, especially that fourth quarter. Talking about... The, one of the greatest defenses ever, at least from a pass defense perspective, in the Legion of Boom, he throws for 328 yards, four touchdowns, including two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. And let's not forget, on that first touchdown drive of the fourth quarter, Patriots are down by 10. Brady was sacked early in that drive. They were facing a third and 14 on that drive, down by 10 points, and then they end up scoring two touchdowns in the next two drives, win the game 28-24. We remember Malcolm Butler's interception, of course, but that fourth quarter to me was one of the best performances, probably the best performance by a quarterback I think I've ever seen, considering the moment, the stakes. And remember, at that time, the Patriots had not won a Super Bowl in 10 years. There were, wonder, there were wonders out there. Are they ever going to win another one, right? They lost in 07. They lost in 2011. Are they ever going to win another one? They're facing the Seahawks. They have... Two interceptions early, Brady throws. They get down 24 to 14. They're facing that third and 14, and then Brady leads him down. They go down 24-21 on the touchdown pass to Amendola, and then the one you just heard to take the lead, 28-24, to Julian Edelman. To me, that was Brady, and I know Super Bowl 51 is probably where he widely became widely accepted as the GOAT, the 28-3 comeback, and that's fair. That's probably when even I looked at him as truly the greatest of all time. But I think his best single quarter of football was that fourth quarter against the Seahawks, just considering the stakes, the stage, and how good that defense was. But Super Bowl 51, pretty amazing in its own right. I do want to get to one text here that came in from the 774. Are the Patriots going to keep their winning streak of 14 games going against the Jets this year? Sorry to say no. I don't. I would be surprised. I think at best they split with the Jets. I think this Jets team is loaded. I think they're probably going to win the division. And, yes, I know the Patriots beat the Jets twice last year, and they almost beat Aaron Rodgers with their third-string rookie quarterback last year in Green Bay. 
But I think you take Aaron Rodgers, who is A, going to be better, and B, you put him on that Jets team. And the Patriots are going to split with the Jets, I think, uh, at best. And it's, just, it's more of a credit to how great the, the Jets are. But I, I want to spend this last few minutes of the show just talking about Tom Brady and all that he did for New England. I mean, this is a franchise that the first you know 41 years of their existence only made it to two Super Bowls. And then in a 20, well, really like an 18-year span, Brady, and, and Belichick deserves a lot of credit too, but I'm focused on Brady right now. Brady takes him to nine, and they win six. And, and just the signature performances along the way, like I started off here with Super Bowl 49, which is my favorite, but even Super Bowl 38, like I think that's such an underrated one. Brady throws for 354 yards. It was second his second Super Bowl MVP. By the way, this guy's won five Super Bowl MVPs. 70,000 yards passing in his career, 541 passing touchdowns, six-time, excuse me, seven-time champ, as we know, three-time MVP, four-time offensive player of the year, all like all this stuff, all these accomplishments with the Patriots. Then he goes Tampa Bay, wins a Super Bowl there. But like again, it's it's tough to say you want it, like you almost forget about a great Super Bowl performance because he had so many. But I feel like Super Bowl 38 gets overlooked. 354 yards, three touchdown passes. But what stands out most to me is where Brady's resiliency came in. Because I, I, for the New England Football Journal, I wrote last year, top 12 Brady moments. I put Super Bowl 38 at two because of his resiliency. Threw an interception in the red zone, which could have cost him the game. What does he do? Comes back, and he leads them to the game-winning drive. Those are just two of my favorite moments. K.J. Carson and I are going to have a lot more tomorrow. That was just a taste of it. Stiz, you got a favorite Brady moment before we're out? Oh, man, that 28-3 to was just unbelievable to watch. And then also, not necessarily on the field, but I loved I loved some of his social media uh, yeah. posts. Like this one with this beat when him and Gronk, yeah. when they won the, I think it was the AFC Championship. Yes, I, this is Gronk one of my, I'm watching. so glad you chose oh this song. Oh, God, man. Oh, yeah, but it's fun. the crazy thing about the 28-3, to last thing I'll say before we go, they were down 28-3, to and as a Patriots fan, yeah, you know it looked bad, but you never felt they were completely out of it. I'm John Lyons. Thank you for Stiz. Thank you to Stiz for producing. Thank you all for listening along to Late Night Football Talk. I'll be back tomorrow with KJ Carson at 1 o'clock. Have a great rest of your night. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.